You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 379. Dave and I are going to talk about the slowdown in iPhone sales and what it really means. TechFan Podcast number 379. I am Tim Robertson, and there's David Cohen over there. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. So, had someone, I don't think it was yesterday, I think it was the day before yesterday, uh, he was talking about, uh, he had an opportunity, let me just put it, he had an opportunity to go on the radio. Right. And he was really, really nervous about it. So why are you nervous? I mean, you're just, you'd be sitting in a little room with one other person just talking and it was like a 15 minute thing. And he said, uh, well, I mean, think about it. I mean, people are going to be listening to you, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, imagine if you say something stupid, that's out there forever. I said, you can't imagine what that's like. I looked at him. I said, I, I do an hour internet radio show. Then. I, 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 since 2004. Saying, you know, start, saying, I, saying something stupid is our stock I, I, I said, you know how many <laughs> stupid things I've said? I thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, you know. The, people, the, the problem is, is that we are... St- it's less nowadays because the quality of, of media journalism has... I, I think you and I would both agree, has substantially dipped since we were kids. Just a little not, bit. Not, yeah, not not just in the content, but is also in terms of the quality of the presentation. I would um, argue that it's dipped considerably since I started the MyMac podcast in two thousand and four. Yeah, yeah, it's been an ongoing thing. Yeah, um, but uh, it, still, I think people often have an, uh, a false impression that it's a special talent to <clears throat> to work in to work in the media in the spoken voice or the or the visual voice realm. Um, and and it's not it's a, it's a, it's anything else. People are they, people are worried about saying stupid things and also kind of the kind of casual uh, audio and visual stutters that you and I have, uh, and that anybody has when you yeah. when you're talking casually when you not you not you know you you feel like it's performance. You feel like people are looking and it makes you feel nervous. I can I can understand that, but um, the reality is is that. Nobody cares nowadays. We live in. If you, I think, I think there are there are things that would probably cause an editor to either edit something you did on the radio if it wasn't live, or um, or on TV. You know, if you pick your nose while you talk to a reporter, they probably Sneeze want to come or, out. Yeah, yeah. Right. but um, in terms of what you say, I don't think people care because we are living in an in an environment where people do listen to. Uh, well, they watch YouTubers, they uh, listen to podcasts, they listen to people who just kind of do it and don't worry too much about the presentation. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons why visual and audio presentation in the TV and the radio has declined so much, is people are, are, are more relaxed about it. No, I don't know. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. I, I'm always been kind of relaxed. See, I, 
one of the jobs when you're in high school, you know, they, they you go to the front of the guidance counselor, or whoever, and they want to know, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I had, uh, you know, a few options that I was kind of kicking around in my head. One of them was to be a radio DJ, but I didn't want to do it the way I heard people doing it on the radio. I just thought they were stupid. This, this, this faux, Hey, welcome to the, blah, blah, blah. you know, that's, I thought that's horrible. Uh, even as a teenager, I was like, this is, this is trash. I don't know. I, I listen because it's what other choice do I have? But yeah. I just thought I would do it totally different. Um, and then I found out how much radio DJs made and I went, well, okay, I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I crazy? Oh yeah. Cause we were making so much more doing this now. Right. Well, <laughs> and then, uh, I wanted to be a uh, product reviewer. Well, I I do that. Yeah. You know, I, I that's kind of why my Mac started in the first place back in '95. Or I wanted to be an author. I thought that would be great. Well, I am a published author. So the three things that I always said I wanted to do, I kind of did on my own. Yeah. <laughs> Your dreams can come true too, David. Well, you know what? There's a I I think I mentioned on the show before down the. Down the corridor from my office in my building, there's a um, Zone of Tech, who are a YouTube channel. Um, and they have four or five people in there, and they're basically doing most of those things you just said, only they're doing them on video. The difference nowadays is that you can start up as an amateur, and you can turn that into... You know, they, they appear to be doing okay. They can obviously make enough to pay the rent on the building, and they have a an office and a recording studio and they have stuff coming in and out. So they're making a living doing that enough for four or five people. Yeah, that's um, good. And the difference is, is that 10, 15 years ago, you had to go and work with a media organization. There was no chance of you being able to do that on your own. Uh, and now this technology that we have has allowed us to do, to, to set up and do it on, our, on, on our own, either as, uh, unpaid amateurs or lowly paid amateurs or, or, you know, as a business. And that's great. Uh, I've, other than the product review stuff, I've done – well, it, I'm a published author. I, obviously, I got paid for that. Yeah. But the podcasting thing, I actually did do that professionally for a while. If yeah, I know. You remember. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you can you can do – for those younger listeners, which there probably are none, um, you can do what you want to do. Just yeah. don't think you're going to get rich doing it. If you really well, have a dream, the, yeah, you can go thing, for it. That's isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It, if it's about the money, you're in it for the wrong reason. Yeah. And I think that's that might be true for more than just your dream. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, I think uh, maybe probably there are a few professions where um, people are in it for the money. Drug dealing comes to mind. I think most yeah. people don't do drug dealing for a, because they have a passion for... No, no, no. Uh, I mean your passion stuff. No, I, I, I'm talking about your passion stuff. Yeah. We all exactly. do things for money that, you know, we'd probably rather not do. I mean, if either one of us had a choice, if we could do any job in the world that would pay, you know, millions, I don't think it would be what we're doing right now. No, I well, it would be this, what we're doing right now. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. David and I yeah, would be doing fact, a daily podcast. In fact, I filled out, I was filling out a form last night. Um, and one of the questions on there was, what would you do if you had a million pounds? And I said, I would podcast full time. Yep, uh, and too. that's absolutely what I would do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's no question in my mind. 
people. And, and the world, yeah, the world ha- hopes that never happens. Never, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, of course, we don't care if people are listening. If we're super rich, we just kick it out there because we enjoy it. Although, you know, having listeners is kind of a nice byproduct. Yeah. Speaking of which, we're not getting a lot of feedback. Although, Alyssa, while I'm remembering, I'm going to go to. I think it's on the my Mac one. It could be on the. TechFan podcast one, but I think it's on the MyMac one. She sent a private message because um, I was telling you how I'm listening to audiobooks lately. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa Paselli. Oh, I got her podcast tonight. I just remember that. In about 12 hours from now, actually. Um, I'm doing the uh, 300th episode of Geekiest Show Ever. Mm-hmm. Um, she sent me a private message, and it was all about uh, the audiobooks. And she says, you might want to take a look at uh, Scribed, SC. R I B D. I hate how people do that. <laughs> it's pronounced this way, but we spell it that way. Shut up. Come up with an original name. Uh, cheaper than Audible, eight ninety nine a month, and you have unlimited access to ebooks and audiobooks. The difference is you don't. Hold on. <laughs> it was longer than the preview window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the difference is you don't keep what you read like you do with Audible. But how often do you go back and re-listen? Good point, Fine. never. Yeah. Uh, I've done the trial with Scribed, and I would join if I read more. Currently, I use Overdrive to borrow books from the library. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Uh, I might check out Scribed. Yeah, I don't care about keeping the audio book. What am I, yeah. I going to do with the audio book? No, you just obviously, though, you want to be sure that you get all the books that are available through Audible. You know, and that's my um, question. Described yeah. have the full range of titles that Audible does. My guess would be no. That's my guess. Yep. Um, I'm listening to Denis, uh, Dennis Taylor. And I'm trying to... It's called The Bobverse. Yeah, I remember I, you I, Well, it wasn't what I thought it was because I wasn't far enough into it. Right. And I'm on book two right now, and it looks like there's a book three as well. Um, I'm really enjoying it, quite yep. honestly. Yeah. It's it's hardcore sci-fi, but not pew-pew sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, I would, uh, looking at their site, I would suggest their search engine can do, can do with some work. Um, I, I looked for Dennis Taylor. And my first two results are Liz, an intimate biography, Elizabeth Taylor, and then followed by Taylor Swift, The Rise of the Nashville Teen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but that might suggest they actually don't have any Dennis Taylor. I'm not seeing any Dennis Taylor here. I also wonder if they have a, um Apple CarPlay app. My guess would probably be no. Well, I expect not. Yeah. And that's it's not a deal killer, but... It sure is nice. Yeah. The, I, the other thing is that, you know, sometimes with sites like this, you get to come across books that maybe you wouldn't find on other sites. So that's interesting as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, they they, got- they, I'll tell you what they, what they do have that I don't know whether Audible does. Is they have a lot of magazine articles. Does Audible do that? Uh, I don't know. I haven't explored it that deep, to be honest. All right. Yeah. You know, I've, I've listened to the, these two books. I listened to... Well, I listened to Fear, the Bob Woodward book, about basically the first year or so of the Donald Trump presidency and leading up to it. Um, but that wasn't an audio. It was an audio book, 
but it wasn't an, an audi, auto audible audible thank you yeah. yeah so there's another commercial for audible and they don't pay us to say anything <laughs> about them they used to that was like back in ninety five, ninety six, or no, two thousand five, two thousand six. That was um, that was one of the ways they grew, though, wasn't it? Before Amazon acquired them, was uh, yeah, they, they did a lot of podcast advertising, which they makes did. sense. And then they didn't pay me, and I did reverse advertising on them. <laughs> well, and then I got a check. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh- I what I, I didn't do. know that you've never mentioned it before. Yeah. Well, what I should do is go back and find those reverse ads and put them in a tech fan one day, just so people can hear it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, don't don't not pay the podcasting people. Yep. They have a platform. That's not a smart thing. Um, speaking of platform, the iPhone, David. Let's talk about this. This is. I've only we didn't prepare a whole lot of stuff for this show, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I've been busy. David's been busy. You know what I've been doing lately, though. I've been playing video games. <gasps> Shocker, uh-huh. I know, but I've been playing arcade <laughs> video games. Uh-huh. I got back. I've just kept looking at my arcade machines. I hadn't turned them on in a long time. Fired <laughs> up, and uh, oh, I played a couple of games last night and the day before, and just, you know, five-minute little, five minute little run-through-a-maze type thing. Yeah. Fun. Um, but there was two articles that came out this week. Uh, they're both related. Uh, the first one's the Engadget. And it's titled, Apple Knows the Age of the Yearly iPhone Upgrade is Over. And the second article is from the New York Times. And um, I like this one even better. Apple's biggest problem? My mom. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is something that we've discussed in the past. Yeah. Uh, But I thought maybe now, with Apple's um, downgraded forecasts, especially in iPhone sales, in China specifically, although some of what Tim Cook said was a little ridiculous, um, is maybe it's it's worthy of a longer segment. I, I think we, we've deliberately avoided talking about some of the stuff that's been going on with Apple. We talked at length about the keyboards on the laptops, uh, and we've talked about the laptops a lot, and then we briefly talked about the iPad Pro when it came out. Uh-huh. But a lot of the other Apple news we've kind of skirted away from just because everyone was talking about it and we didn't want to cover it. But I think the time has come to kind of bring all that together with um, with what's been going on the last, certainly the last week. With uh, uh, let's uh, before we get into the the stuff about the iPhone upgrades particularly, let's just talk about the the actual news itself. Yeah. Yeah, because you said you had, you know, you you didn't think so, some of what Cook said was right. First of all, it's not really that it sh- wasn't right; it was stupid. Right. Well, what's first first of all struck me was the the way it was done itself because it was so anti Apple uh-huh. in compared to the Apple that you and I both knew, you know, from years ago. Because let's face it, in times gone past, they either would not have dressed this at all. Um, some of this stuff, and they haven't addressed some of some of what's been going on at all. Or alternative, what they would have done is if come out with a short statement from the press office, not from um, Steve Jobs, not from Steve Jobs, or from um, Steve. Might occasionally would obviously write things himself, yeah. but it would have been from Apple PR. It would not have been from a named individual in the company, uh, and then it would have been short, concise. 
Uh, and then I presume I presume when it came to financial regulations, they then submitted something else, the SEC, with more detail in it, but not something that was necessarily designed for public consumption. Mm-hmm. Instead, what we got is a lesser version of one of these uh, Apple financial calls, which was very technical in you know financially technical and market technical and everything, very dry. Um, and and had some of these nuances in it that you kind of have to parse, um, and it and it went on and on and on, and and it really kind of struck me that Apple, you know, if you ever want if you want something, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put it at Tim Cook's door again because that's that's an easy and lazy thing to do. Old Steve Jobs, um, you know, this wouldn't happen on Steve. But I I think it, it illustrates the way Apple is run nowadays is very very different from the way it used to be. Well, it has to be. I mean, they're a, a global power technology powerhouse. They can't. Yeah, they, they can't they are, act but, like the upstart California company that. Well, like, they could if they wanted to. Yeah, but uh, I don't and, think and, they could. I, I well, I, I kind of miss that. You know, I miss the oh, sure. fact that I miss the fact that um, they don't talk about that, even though they are so big. Well, I, I miss that company too. I mean, that's one of the reasons that my Mac became popular the way it did in the mid '90s and through th- the 2000s was simply because Apple was um, the under siege company. They're the underdog. They were that there was a sexiness to uh, being a fan of a company whose products was minuscule compared to what the Leviathan of Microsoft was doing at the time. There's a, there's a- there's a point I'm trying to make here, and maybe I should just come out and say it rather than kind of allude to it, is yeah. that I think the biggest thing that Apple misses nowadays is not Steve Jobs. It's not Scott Forster or anything like that. I think they miss, uh, what was her name, Katie? Yeah, uh, the press you know, secretary you know, the, the, the late, Yeah, the lady who ha- headed up yeah. Apple PR, Yeah. right? Because you know what? I think this would have been handled, a lot of this stuff would have been handled very differently when she was still there. Uh, and and I I think the problem with this uh, Katie Cotton I think the problem with this uh, statement is it, it, when when you issue written something by committee. so well yeah obviously it's you know well it's, it's certainly written by the board it was obviously Apple uh, it was obviously Tim uh, Luca the financial guy uh, and yeah. then probably the rest of the people and I would imagine Phil Schiller was involved and whoever runs Apple PR now was involved as well but the problem is is that when you issue a multi-page statement, you're just giving loads of information for people to pick apart mm-hmm. and to speculate on, which we're, we're about to do. And, and these articles that, that we've referenced here certainly do. And I think there's elements of truth in them. And there are probably going to be some things that we, that we and other people get wrong as well. And the problem is, to me, the master of uh, the, the masterfulness of doing PR is is say what you need to say without while saying as little as possible and this is very much the opposite of that and that's the company I miss yeah to some respect I agree um, yeah. I, I, I think the problem the is bigger than just the, the the PR aspects of it oh, oh it's definitely don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not discounting what was said in the letter there are clearly some fundamental problems here that actually concern me greatly but um i think the messaging itself was also weak and it could have been a lot better but anyway well, that's, and, that's, but that's why i think that it does fall to tim cook because i think that the weakness of this response and the corporatization of it if you will falls squarely on tim cook i mean he just I think he's a fine leader for a much smaller company. 
Um, well, and I don't yeah, think he I, has I, any kind of vision of what Apple is. They're still riding on the coattails of what Steve Jobs created, which is fine. But I don't. I just don't see anything inspiring coming out of Apple at all. Well, I, th- I think yeah. I I definitely. I, I'm I'm not. I'm not quite so willing to condemn Cook personally because I, I you know, I think well, for all the jokes. This we isn't make, a condemnation. It's simply, no. in my opinion, that he's not the right person to helm Apple. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm not even going to go that far because I'm not sure that 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 I'm fully qualified to understand what the right things are. I think it's one of those things when you when you look at leaders. Of, of big companies and, and people in, in positions, you can some, sometimes a case of, well, I'm not sure what the right thing is. I just know it when I see it. Uh, and perhaps you're not seeing it in, in Tim Cook. And, and that's fine. But whether that means that that's enough to get rid of him or not, or suggest that well, he should go. Well, he, here's, here's what it is for me. I'm going to put all the corporate stuff aside. Yeah. Uh, the stock market stuff aside. For me, this is what it's about when it comes to Apple in particular. They don't take chances anymore. They don't, and you could say innovate if you want, but they they like to play it safe now. And I don't think Apple does its best when they play it safe. I think they do their best when they take chances, when they really become disruptors. And all you have to do is look at the history of the company. The ones that truly succeed and truly change the world are the disruptors. And Apple hasn't been a disruptor for many years now. And I think that's a lack of vision of moving the company forward. I'm not talking about money. Yeah. That's two different things. Money-wise, they're awesome. They're a money-generating machine, although (laughs) the news this week, it's all designed to address that they're not going to make as much money. I, I just don't think that there's anyone at Apple willing to put it out there to to take the chance on something and and let it succeed or fail, but have the confidence that someone like a, a, a Steve Jobs had, um, someone like even Bill Gates to a lesser extent had to really be a disruptive product in, in, a, in a safe environment where you could simply keep raking on all the money or you could take a chance. I mean, think about what Apple did with, we'll go very small, the iPod. Remember they had an iPod and it was their bestseller and then they cannibalized their own sales by canceling it and releasing a different product. Yeah. The iPod mini. Yeah. They, that's, that's kind of the prime example of when they've done that. Yes. Yeah. You know, they just, yeah, this is and the best they, thing we've they, ever done. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're replacing it with something brand new. Yeah. The iPod, it, much more than the iMac, was what saved Apple. A lot of people like to point back and go, oh, well, it, you know, they released the iMac in 97, and that completely changed course for Apple. Uh, to a very small degree, yes. It was the release of the iPod, which put them on a different plateau which really was the disruptive product uh, since 84. And it moved them into a completely different market. Exactly. And then what did Apple do to follow that up? They didn't play it safe. They came out with a whole other product called the iPhone, which completely destroyed the iPod. It completely destroyed the iPod. They had the golden goose laying those eggs, or the the goose laying the golden eggs. They had that. It was called the iPod. And they came out with the iPhone. 
and destroyed it. Almost overnight, the iPod sales just tanked because the iPhone was everything the iPod was, but better. And it yeah. did a lot more. And it, that took a lot of courage, a lot of courage to put that out there. And they were willing to to take that chance. I don't see Apple taking chances anymore. No, I mean, it's certainly true that everything they do nowadays is about tinkering around the edges of their existing yeah. product line. Um, and and that leads know, directly um, into the articles that I linked. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And, and I think the problem absolutely is that... Um, you talked about taking chances. Some people would say, oh, well, they are taking chances, you know, with the changes they make to the products and everything. But the difficulty is, is you've got to, you've got to take chances and, and then live or die by whether they're successful or not. And I think the problem is a lot of the chances Apple take at the moment are not successful. They are not hitting it out the park. Yeah. Each of these changes they make have compromises and it, apple was always like that you know it was a case of apple will tell you what you want and then you'll like it and you'll you'll come to love it but the problem is a lot of these changes people aren't liking right they you know the keyboard thing is a very good example the uh touch bar is another one you know it's a technically innovative thing but it's not popular it's not enough to drive people to to say i must have one of these computers uh, and the, even the ipod pro um They've made changes. There is an de- ongoing debate about whether the changes they've made to the iPod, Pro, to the iPad Pro, sorry, um, have actually, you know, there's this whole business with the bending, and it's very difficult to understand whether that's a, a drop in the ocean and a very few devices, or whether it's a fundamental problem. But the problem is the optics of it are that people are getting this product is now getting a reputation that uh, unless you baby it, it might bend. Um, and that is not a good look, especially when one of the innovations, I'm using air quotes there, in the product over the previous one is that it's thinner. Yep. And Apple has been here before. Yep. The, Apple, the iPhone 6 had exactly the same issue. They had to deal with it more robustly then, and that was another product that was on Tim Cook's watch. Yep. You know? Uh, and, and I think the problem is their obsession with changing certain things. Um, you know, they're always going on, oh, we don't change things unless we think it makes the product better. Yeah, and yet these changes don't appear to make the product better. The thinner keyboard does not make the product better; it makes it worse. Making the iPod, the iPad thinner, so there's more of a risk of bending, makes it worse. Yeah, and and even the innovations on the current iPhone lines, yeah, which uh, which is what what we're, what we're going to come to here. The problem, I, I, it's it's been bothering me for a while. I've been in and tried Face ID. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a, a phone with or an iPad with Face ID on at the moment. I do have a um, um, a Surface Microsoft Surface which has face recognition on it. You know what? And it's nice. It is very very nice. It works really well. You find the thing up and immediately recognises you in and it logs you on. But you know what? It's not really that much better than putting your finger on the sensor. No. Yeah, and, and the putting your finger on the dem- sensor is not really all that much different than typing in a four or six. Well, I would code. I would argue that maybe the the but sensor, that's not an innovative touch, thing that well, doesn't move sen- anything. Yeah, the touch sensor is far more useful than putting than having to put the code in, right? But the point is, there's not much useful difference. doesn't inno- doesn't equal yeah, innovation. What, what, I, what I'm saying is 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 for, personally for me, I can only talk about myself as a user. For me as a user, I find Touch ID very very nice. Yeah, I find it. Um, 
I, I hate having to type numbers onto a device, particularly the amount of times I'm unlocking and unlocking device every day. It's a pain. Touch ID takes that pain away. I think that's brilliant. But the problem is, bearing in mind you're already holding the device when you pick it up, yep. I don't think Face ID is that much of a changeover. And the other problem it has is it, it demos really poorly. Yeah, yep. it's it, because you go into the store and because it has to be done to your face, the demo they have is clunky. You basically have to train it for your face and then, oh, show, look, it recognizes you. It doesn't come across as being remotely innovative. Right. Yeah, and that's a real problem. I think this, the, the technology is great and what they've achieved is great, but the problem is it's not driving people to say, I must have that over my previous phone. And that is the core of this issue here. In in um, in a lot of the reporting has been very weak on the China problem, which Apple says is the bulk of the issue with these reduced revenue uh, forecasts. Um, not, people haven't really done much analysis on on why that is in China. There's not a lot of articles saying what what is the problem in China. But you know what? In some respects, that doesn't really matter because Apple is meant to be the expert in the China market. And for them right. to screw this up in the holiday quarter, yeah, suggests to me that the way they're addressing the China market, they are doing something wrong. And that is probably the most damning indictment of Apple's leadership today is the fact that they China is their emerging market and they've screwed it up in some way. Well, that and that the, sim- the, the simple fact is that these two articles focus on is that the bigger problem isn't the China market. It is the domestic markets, which is the UK and the US and Canada, where they always launch these products. The, the, the early adopters are in those countries, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And the early adopters was the entire population because these, these are such innovative phones. They were the next one was so much better than the last one. Well, that's over. It really is. Those say, oh, yeah. what are you talking about, Tim? I've got the iPhone this. It's the latest and greatest, and it's so much better than the last one. Is it really, though? What are you doing on your phone with the new one that you could not do with the last one? Oh, the screen is better. So what? Yeah. Is it that much better? No. Um, is it so much faster? Maybe it's a little faster, sure. Oh, I th- I, to be honest with you, I think that's part of the problem. Is actually these phones are a lot faster, and the iPads are a lot faster. But it doesn't matter because all the software that's available today runs just as well on the old devices as it does on the new ones. And when we say faster, what are we talking about? Launching it. That's it. It's not well, yeah. doing anything in the app itself. The game isn't running any faster. You're not reading books any faster. You're not browsing the internet any faster. You're not taking pictures any faster. You're not. Pl- it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because this is a single use type of device. I use my phone professionally all the time. I'm scanning VIN codes and stuff like that and driver's licenses. Now, my iPhone 6 compared to my iPhone 8 Plus, big difference in scanning a license, for instance. It's almost instantaneous with the new one. The other one, I had to wait about a second. Is that worth $900? $1,000? Is it really now? And that's in a professional. So as a professional, maybe it is. Maybe maybe the time saving is worth it, the money over really, an entire yeah, two or three th- years. As somebody who who actually rolls out our phones on a professional basis for fifty yeah. people, it isn't. I had. It was interesting. This is the first year where I had people pushing back on replacing their phones. I, I actually had it literally just just yes uh, just Friday. Um, 
where there was a guy who doesn't come in the office very much, uh, and I said, well, we, we, we'll be replacing, you're on a 6S, we'll be replacing the phones in the new year, two years old. Um, he said, right, what what do I get? I said, I said it's the 10R, and, you know. And he said, well, do I have to have that? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, because there's nothing wrong with the 6, with the one I have now. It does everything I wanted to do. He said, I can't be, he said, I can't be bothered to change it. So I said, you, well, the you, un- your only problem is going to be the battery. He says, well, if the ba- he says, the battery's okay at the moment. If the battery goes, I'll get the battery fixed. Exactly. You know. Because these products at this point are, quite honestly, good enough. Yeah. And good enough, when we say good enough, they do everything that we pretty much need them to do. The only time people really need to upgrade their phone, two reasons now. The battery's getting to the point where it's just not giving you a full charge throughout the day. Or your phone screen is scratched up. Yeah, those are the two reasons. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean that, that's that's every phone. I mean that's everything. When something breaks, yeah. you got to replace it. I'm talking about a reason like I I really want to upgrade. The the other I think the other thing that's being kind of missed out here is and and this comes back to the price issue. I suspect. You know, I, I, I don't know what's like in the states, but here I walk around. There's loads and loads and loads of corner shops. Um, who do phone repairs and that sort of thing, and they also sell used iPhones and used yeah. Android phones. Yep. Yeah, there's hundreds of them, and you go on. You know, you can go on to. Um, uh, uh, we have um, a, a service here which I've actually used a fair fair amount for replacing phones at work called Music Magpie, which is the equivalent of, of the American Gazelle. Where if you want to sell a device, you sell it in, and you know you get a lower price than if you sell it yourself on eBay, but it's pretty much guaranteed set price, provide the conditions okay. And they resell the stuff they they refurbish and they sell them off. Now, it's very easy to get a phone that's maybe only uh, a couple of years old. That's that's got you know probably got um, it's probably a third to half the price of what a new one would be. Yep. And and so. It's um, if you need to replace your phone, a lot of people are going to go. You know what? I I prefer I could do that. I can if I'm on the six, I can get a seven uh, or a seven plus or something like that for less than what I would get from buying a brand new one from Apple. Yep. You know, and if you're in that mindset of if commodity mindset where you know something goes wrong with that, I will I'll get it fixed. I won't take it into Apple to have it replaced or something. Then um, there's not there's not much upside of having a new phone. Exactly. And and I think this New York Times article, to me, was the the more powerful in that this uh, Kevin Rose, it's not R-O-S-E, it's R-O-O-S-E. So it's not the one who started Dig. Yeah. Um, Basically said that, hey, my mom is a hardcore Apple user, but she's older. And she used to get all the cool new Apple stuff when he was young. And she doesn't do that anymore because the new products simply aren't offering anything she can't do with her old product, which sounds a whole lot like what you just said, David. Yeah. Um, And I think this isn't just an Apple problem. And that's kind of the point. This isn't just an Apple problem. I think this is a technology problem that... The hardware and the underlying operating—excuse me—operating systems that run these devices have—I don't want to say stopped innovating, but kind of have. 
They're yeah. just they're they're not doing anything different. When you spend an entire keynote focusing on how much faster this processor is, or how much faster this camera is, or better the camera is, eh, do we really need this every year? Yeah. Does Apple really need to to invite all these journalists out and have everyone self congratulatory claps that are supposed to impress somebody? It's not anymore. It's boring. Uh, and and yeah, it's it. I mean, look, boring is is in some respects is about how it's presented and the things that they choose to focus on. But the point is, is that you, you're absolutely right, and this article is actually right. To the casual user making a buying decision, you have to try and justify the cost of the upgrade, particularly right. when the prices are as high as they are. And we all know that the prices have gone up. Yeah, and the problem is this. This article talks about the two-year cycle versus the three-year cycle, and they're saying that you know it used to be that everyone replaced their phone every two years. Now it's stretching out to three. One of the reasons for that, and I've certainly noticed this as a corporate iPhone buyer, is that the price of the of the phones is such that you, uh, the financing deals you offer have to be stretched out over three years to make them affordable. Yeah, uh, and and many phone carriers are now offering they're now offering their phones they're not subsidizing them anymore they're also financing them interest free and again they're doing the same thing so they're offering you a 36 month contract yep. so it's a 36 month cellular contract tied with a phone that you're not you, that you're basically spreading the cost over so to come out of that contract to get a new device means paying money up front and people don't want to do that especially when there's no need well, you need to, to have, yeah, you need to have something to drive people to do that, and right. and, the, and the and yeah, these these kind of feature tweaks they're in they're introducing, um, you know, are are find themselves they don't the, whether whether you can you can argue the toss, you know, I I think the iPhone 10 line are, are fantastic phones, really yep. are fantastic phones, and objectively they are far superior to the phones that came before, but the problem is is that they don't sell. They're not compelling sales, particularly to people who, who don't understand, you know, or don't care about the nuances of the, the internals. And the more fundamental problem is that the software yep. is um, the soft the software in them is is it, it runs the same on either device. And that's that's the phones, that's the iPads. We talked about that with the iPad Pro. We basically said, you know, I'm I mean, I have it here. I'm a ten and a half inch iPad Pro here, um, and I looked at upgrading to eleven, or to the uh, to the new twelve point nine, and then I looked at the cost of it, and I and I really had to sit down and say to myself, but there's nothing those machines can do that I can't currently do on my ten point five. So it's just not worth me upgrading. Um, and and yeah, as as we've said, Face ID. To me, it's me personally is not as compelling upgrade as uh, as uh, over Touch ID to justify that very expensive um, very expensive investment. And it's the same with the laptops. I'm sat here recording now on a two th- 2013 MacBook Pro. I've got the rest of the screen. I've got lots of ports on the side. I've got a keyboard that doesn't fail. Yeah, and it runs the latest OS. It runs all the software that you can run on the latest MacBook Pro. Does it? Yeah, yeah. If I was if I was rendering video or something, I've got uh, 16 gig of RAM on this one and uh, and a Core i7. If I got the newest one, would it render the video quicker? I expect so. It probably would render it, you know, maybe 30% quicker. Yep. But the problem is, I'm looking at nearly 2,000 pounds for a machine like that. <laughs> this machine Time here. Time is money, David. You know, huh? 
Time is money. Time, well, you know, well, well some, look, that's the problem. Is for some people, time is money, and it's worth them investing. But time is money is not a good argument for the general uh, mom and pop consumer walking into an Apple store at the weekend. Absolutely, yeah, not. because time is not their their time. Uh, it might be worth something objectively, but to, subjectively to them, it's not. Money it, is money to them. <laughs> you know, a, a, a few months ago, I think it could have been longer. I was arguing that the entire cell phone market is boring as hell now. Yeah. Um, and, and that was simply because there's no innovation in the physical form anymore. Yeah. And you said, yeah, because they, this is pretty much the ideal type of form factor for this. I still stick with what I said. I think if Apple came out with something truly innovative, something that looks a whole lot different, even if fundamentally it, it performed about the same, but it looked a lot different. I think that would drive innovation as far yeah. or that would drive purchasing. I think people want the cool and the sexy and the new. And I think when you don't give it to them, you get to this point. This yeah. is boring. I mean, if I took every iPhone since the day one and I've got like three quarters of them and I laid them out on a table, it's boring. Oh my God. It's so boring. Even if you flip them upside down and see the colors, it's boring. There's nothing sexy or innovative about it anymore. It's been there, done that. And Apple's the only company that seems to be able to kickstart the next design revolution. And people will say, you know, the hardcore geek guys, well, oh, design, blah, blah, blah. it's about the hardware, the software, and the functionality. And the design. It's absolutely correct. And yeah. I've seen on Engadget and, and The Verge and uh, these faux mock-ups of foldable phones and screens. I'm sorry, that looks pretty freaking cool, man. Yeah. That looks pretty cool. I can't think of a practical reason I want or would need that, but want and need are two different things. As soon as I see it, I was like, I kind of want that. I wish that was yeah. an iPhone. And, and, and here's the other problem is the, the software... Software and services is also very much part of this. And, you know, Apple likes to show how the software and the services side of their business is growing, and that's where the growth is. They're trying to get Wall Street to be excited by that. And you know what? They will succeed with that argument because, actually, financial guys have, have got real hard-ons for the cloud yep. and for services. You know, it's what, it's what makes Microsoft stop, which was stuck around the same point under Balmer's reign for, for absolutely ever it never grew, the stock, yeah? And as soon as Nadella came in and started focusing more on services, the stock has gone stratospheric. And that's because Wall Street gets excited by that. So you know what? That message will penetrate for Apple at some point. Yeah, look what IBM's doing with Red Hat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, you know, in terms of Apple's growth, I mean, as as much as you could argue, the biggest company in the world, you know, does the growth really mean anything? Um is the growth really important? You know what? They get, eventually, they are going to. Maybe they. Maybe the part. The other part of the problem is they. They are starting to reach full market saturation. Yes. Uh, and uh, you know they. They are running out of people to sell phones to. Um, the as I said, the China thing is complicated. It's complicated because of Trump, and it's complicated because of their. Um, the way the phone's built in China, uh, and it's complicated for cultural issues. And, and you know, I, the one thing out there I will really ding them for is getting the China market wrong. You should be most focused on the market where you're looking to make progress. Yep. And if they're dropping the ball there, then that is concerning because they really should be understanding that market well. But the point is, is that 
is that yes, eventually they will have sold a phone to everyone, and they need to have differentiate them more. And the 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 problem I have with it is that the software side, the OS side, is so far behind how much they innovate with the hardware. Yeah, you talk about incremental upgrades. Well, iOS has that in spades. It's a tweak around here, a tweak around there every year. And don't get me wrong, I like the things they do with iOS. I appreciate the fact that they, you know, it runs better on all the phones, and that um, you know they're focusing on security and they're focusing on stability and that sort of thing. But the problem is, is that the in terms of what the experience it gives you, that also is very, very stagnant. It doesn't change from year to year. And the things that people are crying out for, the things that exploit the new hardware, aren't appearing iOS 12, in terms of how it functions, versus iOS 11 on the iPad Pros, is virtually identical. Yeah. Or so they change the something. What's the point of having a hot rod computer? Right. Yeah, that runs software that works the same as everything else, and the apps are the same as well. There should have been a whole suite. If you want to really kickstart the iPhone 10 revolution, you have a whole suite of apps that basically only run on the iPhone 10s, and those are apps that everybody wants and must have. Yep. Yeah. You know. Or they do, do change something, but. Right. Enable something for developers that basically says, I must develop for this platform and this yes. platform alone. Well, Metal kind of was like that, but not really. Um, or they'll change something core in the I, in, in the OS. I'll give you a, pri- a prime example. When I upgraded my iPad, I had to Google to find out how the hell I can bring up the menu or the yeah, the menu thing to stop my screen rotating because from before and forever I swiped up from the bottom. Well, that's gone now. Now it's in the upper right-hand corner. To this day, I still screw that up. And why? Why would you change that? Well, because we took away the home button on the... Oh, great. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I I mean, the the multitasking system on the... uh, and the windowing system uh, on the the iPad Pro is still something that I struggle with. It's it's clunky. It's hard to use. Sometimes you do... you know, they, they they have this thing where if you want if you want to bring up another window, you kind of have to swipe up from the bottom and then hold on the bar, the uh, the icon bar, which looks the same as the regular icon bar on the home screen. Half the time you hold on it and it thinks you want to delete something. Yeah. Rather, you know, it's it's so that desperately needs improvement, and yet Nothing. they brought out brand new hardware, which is like computing class hardware, and they didn't change that at all. And I, and here's the thing: had they fixed that. Had they done that for the iPad Pro launch, they would be selling a lot more of them because there is a huge demand for people who want to use the iPad as their only computer. And yes. they can't today. Well, know. because Apple doesn't listen to their users. They they never really have. I will say that. that there's nothing different between Apple not listening to consumers today than they did yeah. 20 or 30 years ago. They, they've never listened to consumers. The, yeah. the difference is they had someone at Apple or someone's. I don't want to put all this on Steve Jobs that had really good taste. They really understood the experience, and they would get around to changing things regardless of what the users said they wanted because Apple is really good at giving you something that you wanted before you even knew you wanted it. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. So let's thank our sponsor, uh, MacSales.com. Uh, I'm going to combine that with uh, kind of news. Usually we talk about a product or something like that. Not doing that this time. I got an email uh, early in the week, January 3rd, so just a few days ago. Um, this is big news, and I think almost anybody listening to this is, didn't even know about this. So 
remember, I worked at OWC, and I would do trade shows, whether it was exploring a potential trade show. And you remember, I was doing this show at the time. Yeah. I would go to these trade shows just to kind of check it out. I'd stay there for a day. Like, I'd be at uni- or, uh, uh was it Universal? No, not Universal. Paramount Studios. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a thing, a, a show there for two days. So I went once and checked it out and walked the whole show, show and, you know, spend a day in California two days, really. And yeah. uh, got to go on Universal Studio a lot. And it was awesome. And I'd write a report and say, yeah, this is definitely a show or no, this is definitely a show we do or do not want to go to. And other times I would be at CES for OWC for a week. That was cool, too. I didn't like the traveling as much. Um, I I like some aspects of it. I I like seeing different parts of the, uh, well, for me, it was just the United States. But, you know, they do stuff overseas as well. Um, But there was a company that I would see quite often. And they had close ties to OWC in a friendly manner called uh, Akito, A-K-I-T-I-O. And they had hard drives and stuff, very similar, but more of a prosumer line uh, to OWC. And I would see them at the same trade shows all the time. And I would talk to them. There was this one lady in particular who was very, very good friends with uh, the president of uh, Max Sales, Jennifer. And I would stop and talk, and she'd always say, say hi to Jennifer for me. And I'd look at the products, and some of it looked very similar, but a little different. And some of it looked pretty damn cool, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I always thought, there seems to be a synergy between these two companies. They're not related at all. Um, Akito is based out of California, and, again, they were kind of uh, uh, prosumer. But they seem smaller. OWC seemed like a much larger company, but still, I would see this company and I would see their products in other booths as well, demonstrating, you know, some video editing software and they were running an Akito box. Well, they are one in the same now. OWC acquired Akito this week. And, you know, usually this would be like, uh, who cares? But for OWC, I think this is a, an extremely smart move. You know, I'm from the outside looking in now, obviously, but even back then, I saw a synergy between the products and, and Akito kind of filled some holes that maybe OWC had. And OWC obviously has the reach and the consumer base that Akito just did not have. And so I think that this is um, extremely smart. This is the way so it should go. So you say this company makes hard drives? They, well, they make a couple different products, but yeah, hard drives. Um, if you look at their website, you'll see raids and, and docks and stuff like that. Okay, so it's yeah, it's it's very much the um, it's it's very much the you know a, a, yeah, there's a good match with the uh, with the OWC business because they sell a lot of that sort of thing. And and they didn't necessarily focus on the Mac market. They were as much PC as Mac. Whereas uh, OWC has definitely focused on uh, the Mac market. So I, yeah, I think it's a good fit. I really do. Cool. So well, I look forward, yeah, apparently, I, apparently they're very, very, very big on Thunderbolt 3. Yeah. So I look forward to, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing new um, Thunderbolt stuff from uh, yep. OWC as a result of this. So we want to thank OWC for their continued sponsorship of uh, TechFan Podcast. 
And, of course, we want to congratulate them for, uh, an, in my opinion, an extremely smart move here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think we ought to get into uh, the other subject? or I mean, because we're coming up on an hour already. Yeah, maybe, maybe leave it for next week. Yeah. It's not, yeah. folks, it's not that we're, we're starting to abandon our wiki trolling. Uh, we've just been had a lot of stuff to talk about, and that's the thing that's getting pushed back. And we, because we like the wiki trolling so much, we do want to give it the good, you know, we, we normally do 15, 20 minutes on that. We want to really try and make sure we do that. We don't want to do a, a five-minute mention because there's no point. We want to give some perspectives on, on the on the topic, and you need a little bit of time to do that. Absolutely. And yeah. these are both the, the two that we've got sitting in the queue. One of them is really a, kind of a, an almost a... a a full show, which, quite honestly, for that company and its history, is probably going to. We need to plan ahead. We're going to yeah. be okay. Next week, we're going to do this, and then that week leading up to it, we actually do some research and articles and stuff like that. Uh, and the other one is just a regular fifty-minute spot, and we'll probably be good. Um, anything else going on, David? Uh, I've got. I've. I've done a whole pile of buying and selling on eBay over Christmas. Really? So I've got new stuff coming in. Uh, well, stuff that's new to me that uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about. I've been, I've been in quite a lot on. Um, you remember a while back, I, I, I bought something for taking notes. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I've got a couple of other things coming in to try that because I'm still searching for, you know, what I feel like the perfect fit for me on that on that side so um i've had a couple of, i've had one thing come in that i've tried and then i've got something else coming this week so that's something to talk about coming forwards is the idea of how best you can use pen and paper in a in a digital world um because the one thing i, I really can't get down with is writing on a screen even with the apple pencil and stuff like that it just doesn't feel right to me i like to have a piece of paper in front of me yeah well that makes sense yeah uh, I got a uh, speaker in that was going to be for work. It's it's. I had these desktop speakers. They're I don't remember who made them. They were just kind of junky. I bought a pair of speakers on Wish dot com, and they were terrible. Uh, they looked like much bigger speakers, and I get it. And the whole box, including the subwoofer, fit in my hand. And I'm like, no, this is gonna this is gonna sound like crap. I know it. Took it to work, and I was 100 percent right. It sounded like crap. So I had a product come up uh, for review on Amazon because I'm so obviously part of the Vine program. Uh, it's a NYNE punch portable Bluetooth speaker. And I took it to work and I'm not using it as a Bluetooth speaker. I've actually got the, you know, the audio jack going into it. And um, I think I told you I joined, I don't know how long I'm going to keep it, but uh, Amazon Music. Did I tell yeah. you that? Yeah. Uh, so Yeah. I listen to it in the car uh, occasionally, but I'm mostly focusing on books lately. And I listen to it at work. Really, I got it because of work. But the speakers at work sound terrible. Um, and look, I don't need audio quality speakers while I'm working. But, you know, I get there an hour before everybody else. I like to turn up my music a little bit and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I got this NYNE punch portable Bluetooth speaker. And I got to say, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, uh, I gave it a four out of five. Um, I, I hate the five star rating system. It just doesn't give you enough granular control over your opinions. I like a ten point system much better. Yeah. Um, if it was a ten point, I'd have probably gave it a seven and a half out of five. But <laughs> seven and a half out of five. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, out of five. 
Um, <laughs> out of ten, obviously, but yeah, it, it's it's a good sounding speaker, and it's kind of what I wanted—a little bit more bass, a little louder, uh, with clarity, and ah, yeah. I'm happy. It's seventy bucks. The one I the one I have um, for that uh, for when I'm traveling in the hotel rooms. Um, I use I because I, I, for a long time I was looking at those, but the, those Bose Soundlink Minis, which yeah. do sound really good, but quite expensive. Um, and eventually, when I got around to doing something about it, I thought thought there must be something that's nearly as good as that, but it's less money. And I bought a Logitech X three hundred. Um, this similar sort of thing, a little Bluetooth speaker, uh, and that sounds really really good. Awesome. As well, I really like that. Yeah, so uh, that's if, if, you, if you're looking at the MYNE or something else, also see. Uh, and, and the thing is, it's, it's slightly older now, so you can pick them up cheap. So, <laughs> and that's a, that's it, kind of going back to our main topic of people just aren't upgrading their phones that much. Uh, they're really not upgrading their speakers much. <laughs> no. No, yeah, I mean the speakers I've got running on my computer here at home, right in front of me, are. Jeez, going on 15, 16 years old, and they still sound better than almost any other speakers that I I could listen to and get for free. Um, But, you know, this was a little bit different situation. Yeah, Um, I think installing a full uh, floor-standing hi-fi system in your desk in the office might cause a... Be frowned upon a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) I would think. Um, But this thing's got good build quality, man. It's got some weight to it. Yeah, probably because there's a battery in it because it's a portable, but still, uh, and it's I like the buttons on the side of it. It's kind of a rubberized, just a nice feel to it, you know. Yeah. Um, so if you guys are looking for, I don't know, a little portable speaker that you could take around with you, or something that's inexpensive, you just stick on a desk somewhere. I, I give this one a recommendation. I like it. Cool. And it's in it. Here's the funny thing. I remember I said I gave it four out of five. Yeah. Um. That's the average rating on Amazon. So, go go. Oh, I, I particularly like the picture when you scroll down to see it in action. There's this skateboarding chick with the big net tattoos. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <sighs> All right, David. <laughs> you saying you saying you don't like her particular style of tattoo? Uh, I think neck tattoos are about the most awful things in the world. I think that the young people who get them are completely ignorant that they're going to look stupid at 65 with a neck tattoo. I, I think, I th- I, well, I've personally always felt that anybody who has a tattoo is not thinking about how they're going to look in 25, 30 years' time when the collagen's down a bit. Um, and I, I've always wondered, what do you do at that point? Is, is there anything you do to have them cleaned up? Um, or are you kind of stuck with it with kind of a, a blurry, out-focused tattoo for the rest of your life? Uh, I, th- I think you're stuck with it. I've, did I ever tell you about my tattoos? No. Yes, because I don't have any. No, same for me. <laughs> but, but, then, but then I'm Jewish and we kind of have a bad history with tattoos, so... <clears throat> I just have good taste, so... <laughs> I just have good taste. No, and- no, look, don't get me wrong. I, I, I appreciate the artistry in tattoos... And and I, you know, it's not for me, but I appreciate that some people are into them. And I think if you have nice, well done tattoos, that that's a look that works tattoos only exactly. look good on young people. Well, yeah, but that's mostly the people who have them. I mean, I wouldn't if I if I got well, put it this way, if I got a tattoo on my uh, somewhat expanded belly and chest at the moment, I doubt there's enough ink in the average tattoo parlor to cover me. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's one reason why I wouldn't go for it, apart from the uh, the cultural uh, significance. Oh, that's funny. All right, <laughs> we'll talk next week. See you then.